I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Playoffs, baby. It's playoffs, baby. Playoffs? You talking about playoffs? Yes, I am on a random Monday morning. Welcome to Nothing Personal. It is April 17th, 2023. Middle of April always means something when you're a sports fan. The MLB season is underway. The NBA season is done and playoffs are underway. Stanley Cup playoffs are starting to happen. The next couple of months are awesome. Mix in the draft in the NFL and you're just loving life. The thing about the NBA playoffs is it's become so popular that they need to get every game on the air, of course, and they're trying to rearrange when games are going to be played naturally. But on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock, you expect me to watch the Nuggets T-Wolves Eastern till 1.30 in the morning and I'm not even sleeping. I'm not going to do it on principle alone. But the playoffs started for me on Saturday and I was watching thinking to myself, when did I last see a team in the playoffs who has one of the top seeds and I hadn't really watched them during the regular season because we're not a recap show. So I admit it, I don't know much about the Sacramento Kings, but I was told, watch the game, David, you're gonna be very surprised. So I sat down, I watched the game, I had some Gatorade, I needed a few IV liquids. I could not believe the frenetic pace of that game. I could not believe Fox on the Sacramento Kings. I could not believe the things that Steph Curry is still doing. I'm watching Sabonis go back and forth, wondering that can't be the son of Arvidas. There's no way that can't be. Watching it go on and on and on. And then there's a little kerfuffle. I'm very focused on the game because it's a pick of the day. And no, I'm probably watching the best first round series. And we've got the Kings in our pick of the day. And I realized that there's something going on and I'm not sure what it is. And in this day and age, I admit it, what I do when I'm not sure of something, I don't know whether everybody does this, but I go right to Twitter and I search, I go to the search bar and I put like Warriors Kings game. And then I'll look for top and then latest and then people, try to find something, then try to triple cross it, checking, cross checking it, then call Coca before I tweet about it sometimes. And there was the Spike Lee of the Warriors, a guy named E-40. He's that hip hop singer, E-40, loves the Warriors, comes to games, sits behind the basket, sits near their bench all the time. He is being kicked out of the game. Live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson on YouTube right now, every day at eight o'clock. We're showing you video of it right now. So this is a way that you can be watching the video while listening to the show or watching the show and watching the video. He's being spoken to, everything seems calm, everything seems good. I'm thinking to myself, is it possible that there's something going on with the players? My first thought was that John Morant, Shannon Sharp, the father of John Morant, there was something going on with players because I'll admit it, 
I maybe I'm the only one, I did not recognize E40. So I wasn't sure who that was. And then of course, it looks like there's players involved, which reminds me a bit of John Morant. I think one of the players around was Andre Gudoa, the warrior player. Clay Thompson was upset. Everyone was greatly concerned that E40 was being kicked out. So the questions have been coming to me fast and furious and let me give them to you straight. Here's what I'm thinking happened. But before I tell you my view, having run a stadium, let me give you some of the quotes because you gotta be careful here. The rapper E40 issued a statement where he said that he was quote, subjected to disrespectful heckling throughout the game, quote, turned around, addressed one heckler in an assertive but polite manner. He continued, Sacramento King security approached me, assumed I instigated the encounter and proceeded to kick me out of the arena. Unfortunately, it was yet another reminder that despite my success and accolades as a musician and entrepreneur, racial bias remains prevalent. Security saw a disagreement between a black man and a white woman and immediately assumed that I was at fault. Let me stop everyone here. I am, you know exactly how I feel about issues like this. You understand that while I can't walk in the shoes of anyone but me, I can walk in the shoes of someone who's run a stadium, who's run the operation of a stadium. There's a couple of things that we're aware of during the course of a game. Number one, we know where every celebrity is. Everyone, every time. Some celebrities come to us directly for tickets. Some celebrities go with other people's season tickets where it becomes made aware that they're bringing a celebrity because they let their season ticket holder account person know who then will make sure it goes up the chain. We have cameras panning the crowds, whether it's sellout crowds or not. We know where the house seats are right next to the bench, around the bench for security reasons and for famous people reasons. For in-game entertainment reasons, we are looking around to see who we wanna put on the Jumbotron. We're looking around to see, we have a list of traveling famous people. So when the Mets come and play the Marlins, we would be on the lookout for Jerry Seinfeld as an example. Try to find out from the Mets if they know which celebrities are coming from their clubhouse. Then we know from our clubhouse, the players always know to say to the clubhouse guy, yeah, I've got blank coming to the game. It was not a random black man sitting on the floor baseline next to the Warriors bench, period. That's number one. Number two, when it comes to incidences between people, there is no doubt that we send security down there to accomplish one thing, to stop the incident from becoming bigger than it already is. Once you've done one, you go to two. Evaluate whether or not the people involved in the incident need to be escorted away from their seat. And then number three, if number two, then do they need to be escorted out of the game entirely? If number three, then number four, do they have to be submitted to both the league and to the our organization because they are being banned from the stadium for a period of time from one week to one year. There is a chain of events that you go through. 
when security comes down to deal with someone, the first thing they try to do is to say, excuse me, can you please sit down or can you please stop using that language? We do not kick people out the first time they say the F word. We get a complaint, we walk over, we say, listen, that kind of language is not allowed. This is a warning, please stop. But it's not like we rely on the complainant for it to happen again. We keep security people nearby. We don't want a he said, he said, or a he said, she said, regardless of color. It doesn't matter to me. Black, white, green, pink. We're trying to address the issue. Is somebody swearing? Now we're gonna find out if somebody's standing. Guess what? We've got cameras. We don't need to take your word for it, Mr. Complaining Person. We can look and see exactly how much someone's standing. How many times have you been to a game where you say, excuse me, sit down. Can you please sit down? My child can't see. Can you sit down? Always makes me feel guilty. I have total spatial awareness now and thankful that I'm 65 inches vertically. And for me, I recognize that I have a better ability to stand up at games or concerts than most people, but I'm still sensitive and I look around, look behind, am I in your way? I look to people behind me to the left, behind me to the right, depending on what people are looking at, the person behind me directly, how we doing. Many times people who stand up in front of me are not thinking that nicely, but I'll tap them and say, excuse me, I can't see any way you could move more toward your left. It's sort of like going to a concert when you're seated and you can't see the stage. So do you move or do you ask the person in front of you move? You arrange yourself so you can see better. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Those are the breaks. Is it possible that someone was sitting behind E40? Is it possible E40 was standing up more than that person would have liked? Is it possible that they complained and said he's standing up way too much? All of that is possible. You do not kick somebody out of the game for that. And for E40 to bring race into it, in my mind, is insulting for when actual racism is happening, and it does. The Sacramento Kings did know about his accolades as a musician and entrepreneur. They did know about his association with the Golden State Warriors. And when he brings in racial bias, that means the Kings have to release a statement immediately, which they do. The Kings take these claims seriously and are investigating the facts and circumstances regarding the situation as we do any time an accusation like this is made. Now that's a statement. I don't have one thing wrong to say about what Sacramento did in this case. They did the exact right thing. We're gonna find out what the truth is, whether or not there were some sort of racial epithets that were thrown around, or whether or not we had an example of a fan who was asked five times and did not want to sit down. When you're on the celebrity list, you're gonna get more of a benefit of a doubt than when you're not. That's just how it goes. The Golden State Warriors had quotes from Andre, from Clay Thompson, disappointing, that's not how this should be. Why don't we get a few more facts on it? But let's just be clear about one thing. Don't let this take away from the series that is the Kings and the Warriors, an amazing game one. But just know that when people are operating ballparks and arenas, they are way more aware of things that are going on than you may think. The control center, the security room in these buildings, it would make Orwell blush.
The other things that happen in the playoffs is that it seemed, I, this is total recency bias. There is absolutely no basis of fact on what I'm about to say, but I don't remember game one of first round where Giannis, the number one seed of the Bucks, Giannis gets hurt, he's out for the game. Somebody in the number eight seed who they're playing, Tyler Hero breaks his hand, he's out for six weeks. John Morant of the Grizzlies, the number two seed, he gets hurt and says he's likely not able to play tomorrow. Paul George in the Clippers series against the Suns, four or five. Hey, sorry, I didn't even start playing. That's how bad I'm hurt and I'm not coming back. It just seems like a lot of people getting hurt early. When you're in the playoffs and someone gets hurt as a front office, you don't give it a thought. I remember clearly when uh, our pitching coach came up to us and said, you know, uh, he can't throw or Bina can't throw anymore. And we said, great, no problem. We're not going to replace him. He's on the roster. There's nothing we can do about it. We're going to throw him out there again to close the next game, right? Don't bother me with you're tired and things hurt. We're all tired at the end of a season. But an actual injury where a player would get hit by a pitch and break his hand or break his thumb or tear his hamstring, you move on because you can't, you're going to replace him with only people who are eligible that you could have replaced him. It's not like you can take someone off the waiver wires, waiver wires. It's not like you can make a trade. You got who you got. All of that said, the Clippers found a way. The Grizzlies did not, and the Bucks did not. That means that Giannis and Ja have no choice in their game two. When you lose game one at home, you've got to win game two at home. If you go down 0-2 in a series as the home team having lost the first two, and you've got to win four to the next five, no chance, toilet pants. That means that Giannis and Ja will get treatment all day today, the off day, and both Giannis and Ja will play in their game twos. As a matter of fact, I'm so positive about that, I'll make it official. The official way to see, Giannis and Ja will play in their game twos, don't worry. But it did stink for the Bucks when he was out for the rest of the game yesterday. All right, I'm gonna switch gears to something that you're gonna think that Coca thought may have been too people, not enough people would have known or be interested about, but I'm gonna talk about it because it's personal to me. But I think it's just interesting to talk about. You know I was with the Marlins for all those years. You know that I can say a few things about Jeter who's gone and about Sherman. You know that I could talk about their players. I could talk about the organization. I could do it every day, but that's not what this show is about. The Marlins make the show when they do something worthy of making the show, either on the upside or the downside. It's been a long time since they made it on the upside, Sandy winning the Cy Young, upside. Jazz being on the cover of the show, upside. Steve Bartman Appreciation Weekend, downside. I got a text from a former player, former member of the media, and former executive with who I worked all within seven minutes the other day with a picture of a marketing thumbnail, a marketing piece of artwork that was being sent to season ticket holders that was calling for Bartman Appreciation Weekend when the Cubs come into town. For those of you young enough, and I've tested this theory, Coke, if you can believe it, do you know that 18% of our audience currently uh, would maybe have no idea who Steve Bartman is? Steve Bartman was the one in Wrigley Field who was blamed for the Cubs losing to the Marlins in the 03 National League Championship Series. I was the president of the team then. I was in the dugout, I, not in the dugout, I was sitting above the dugout when the play happened. I then went uh, and spoke about it 
with the players, both before and after. And let me just be very clear. Steve Bartman has been blamed and none of it is his fault. He did not lose the game for the Chicago Cubs that day. They had another chance to win in game seven and they had their second best pitcher going, Kerry Wood, and we had our fourth best pitcher going, Mark Redman, and guess what? They couldn't win game seven. Game six, they had a chance to win even with Steve Bartman, but Alex Gonzalez, not ours. The Cubs, Gonzalez makes an error. Dusty Baker, one of the worst, worst in history at managing a pitching staff in 03, had run his players and his pitchers ragged. We knew we were gonna get it, going to get to Mark Pryor because his arm was gonna fall off. And we waited and waited, and then he got tired in the eighth inning. So there are myriad things that happened. But the most important thing is that Marlins players had clutch hits, took advantage of opportunities, and won when it mattered because they had to win three games in a row to beat the Cubs. And when you're doing marketing to try to get people to come see Cubs Marlins 20 years after, and you're gonna say it's Bartman Appreciation Weekend, that you're actually saying that Steve Bartman is one of the reasons why the Marlins won, and then you're promoting that? Shameful. And I knew immediately that A, it wasn't a joke. I knew immediately that it had been approved at all levels. And I knew immediately that it was gonna get such pushback that they were gonna do a walk back that would make your head turn. Boom, boom, boom. Wasn't more than an hour later that there's a scoop from Andy Slater that he must've gotten from someone within the Marlins organization that said, hey, that was human error. Yeah, that was not supposed to be sent out. We have no idea what that was. Let me give you a little hint as to how these things happen. There's something called an approval process. When you go through the calendar of promotions, you go through that with the president of your team, the head of marketing, the head of sales. By the way, the people in the baseball department know because they wanna know which players are being focused on where. The people in the clubhouse are made aware of it because the players pay attention to who's being focused on, who's got the bobbleheads, who doesn't. It's all pre-approved. During the course of a season, that's called the promotional calendar. The heritage nights, the appreciation weekends, all planned in advance. And then people are saying, but David, Bartman Appreciation Weekend was nowhere on their website. In addition to what gets pre-approved, and pre-marketed before the season, every time there's a new homestand or a new series, the salespeople get together and have a meeting with the marketing people and with the graphic designers, and they say, what's our hook? What can we talk about? Cubs are coming to town. 20 years later, how about Sosa throwing a first pitch? How about Kyle Farnsworth? Will Alex Gonzalez come? What about Juan Pierre? What about Steve? What about Steve Bartman? Let's find Steve Barton, have him come throw first pitch. Let's bring him in and give him donuts and, and go take him to Versailles and tell him how much we love him. Let's go find him. Maybe we'll call a booker and maybe he's got an agent or something. The approval process is that any kernel of an idea that is sprouted in a sales room goes to the VP of sales, goes to the COO, goes to the president and gets talked about in a VP meeting for anybody high up in the organization. And you can get as much love as you want, ringing the bell at the stock exchange, doing all the extra press that you're doing, whatever you're trying to accomplish by Bruce having you there 
I'm good with it. I think it's outstanding to have leadership that's all women. I'm in. But you got to win games and you got to be capable. You got to be good at what you're doing. Don't pretend that you didn't know or you didn't approve what this was. Blaming a rogue salesperson for coming up with artwork, ridiculous, can't happen. Sending it out without anyone else knowing and then being surprised by it, but waiting to take it down until you measured the room, until you read the room and figured, how's this being received? How are we doing? Ooh, ooh, not good. Pitchers, players, past, present, People within the organization, past, present. People within the commissioner's office, past, present. All have the same reaction. Cringy, wrong, embarrassing, guaranteed, walk back, get ready for it. One, two, three, boom. And that's how it went down. So don't be at all surprised when these things happen, please. Because it can but don't ever let a team blame someone. This is what they try to do, right? I spoke to uh, someone else with the team right now, a very close friend of mine, who said to me that it was a good thing that it wasn't his picture that was on there, because if it had been his picture, there would have been a few changes going on within the front office. Juan Pierre was the one picture with Jazz Chisholm. You gotta stop promoting Jazz, folks, until he starts hitting more than 230. Just saying. The best way to promote players is to promote the good ones. Two starts by Sandy being bad, promote Sandy. That's two bad starts. In any case, I could have gone way more, but Coca told me to tone it down. I mean, I really wanted to talk about the process of how the people in charge got there and what happened and who came with Jeter and who left with Jeter and who's still there from Jeter and how the fact that the ones who were there who were with Jeter now realize the way Jeter was because now they're trying to go to the other side because the other side is the one that won the power struggle, but now the other side doesn't know anything about anything either. So now it's just a total mess and I feel terribly because it reflects on all of us who are associated with the Marlins. And I've got to get texts galore on the phone and phone calls on a weekend saying, you better find out if this is real because I assume you're going to talk about it, nothing personal. You're damn right I am. Suffice it to say, there will be no Bartman Appreciation Weekend. Not because it never existed, because the people spoke and the people in charge withered away. All right, we come back. We are going to review a movie that is important to watch given what today is. We're going to talk about umpires who missed a memo, and it was a very important memo about a word called discretion. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. How are you? Thank you for rating, reviewing, telling your friends about Nothing Personal. Keep going. We're still growing. We had our best week ever last year, and we've been doing this for 700, last week, I mean, for 796 episodes, plus all of the sit-downs and mailbags, which we're going to do some this summer and everything else. But it's because of all of you. So we're live every day at 8 a.m. on YouTube. Please hit subscribe. Please. There's more people watching than subscribing, and there's more people listening than subscribing. So you can subscribe and download and rate and write a review. We watch a movie every day. There was no doubt what I was gonna watch yesterday. For those of you who know me, it should have been a simple, simple guess. Today is the Boston Marathon. I am currently not in Boston. I was there last year. I was there two years ago, and, uh, this is the 10 year anniversary of the Boston bombing. We talked about it on yesterday's show, on Friday's show, I should say. So it's been 10 years, 10 marathons. I wanna give a shout out this morning to Dave McGilvery, a member of our team, Hold the Plane, where we ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Dave, have a great day today, good luck. I hope everyone stays safe and the weather stays good. Red Sox are playing early in Patriots Day. I believe Coca that Otani has to wake up early and pitch on Patriots Day, players do not love, no matter what they tell you, they do not love playing these 11 o'clock games. The fans love it because they rush out onto the streets to catch some of the marathon. And there is no coincidence, there are none in this world, although I'm a cynic, but there are none. Netflix released a movie. What do you think it's called? American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon bombing, a three-part series about the brothers who did the bombing through the eyes of people who got hurt, through the eyes of people who were in charge of capturing them, and it went through exactly what went on that day and in the days after. They got access to everybody in law enforcement, and the one person who really was the key to getting these brothers caught, and that was the Chinese kid who got carjacked by them and found a way to escape and call the police. The reason that I'm okay watching three episodes about something that I lived through, I was sitting in Marlins Park uh, watching this happen and followed every minute of it because it involved people I knew and uh, have now raised money for the Martin Richard Foundation, one of the three people who died, plus the police officer at MIT for a total of four, not counting the guy who did the bomb. I've never been a fan, and this may not sound politically correct, I don't like when they announce 10 people dead, including the shooter. No, nine people dead. I don't like the shooter getting billing with the people who the shooter shot. The Boston Marathon bombings killed three people and those who, the two brothers who did it also killed a police officer and one of them is dead and one of them lived and will never ever see a day of freedom the rest of his life ever, no chance. 
So watch this, the Boston Marathon bombing. If you're young enough that you don't remember details, you're gonna learn a lot and be fascinated as to what was going on in Boston. It's gonna be very interesting for those of you who do remember it to think back about it and see the empty streets and then think about COVID. Think about what it is to shut down a city. Boston was shut down as they did this manhunt. The pictures of Boston were eerily reminiscent of the pictures of Boston during COVID. So many layers to this. It's on Netflix, American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon bombing. Three hours, it, it's, it's shorter than Avatar. It's a one sitting show, enjoy it. Okay, corrections, they happen. Thank you. I, I don't understand what the big deal is when I do something wrong. I do it wrong and then I fix it. I've had two math problems in a, in a row which make me feel as though not having the prompter and talking straight into a camera, maybe I've been talking to myself for just a little too long and I'm forgetting simple math. We would calculate the NFL season as 16 games and we would calculate the MLB season as every 10 games equals one NFL game. That makes perfect sense. 16 times 10 is 160. But on the show where I talked about this, where I said, don't worry, it's early, it's like the middle of the second half of the first game of the NFL season. After you've played 10 games, you've then played one game of the NFL season. It's 10, not 16. Thank you to whoever sent in that correction. I appreciate you. You were totally right. The fact that you started with hi, David, made me smile, but I'm good. Send in corrections. I get stuff wrong. One of the things about admitting to being wrong, it, it takes this burden off your shoulders, doesn't it? It's sort of like when you're lying and you can tell the truth because you can tell a lie enough times that it become the truth and then you trick yourself into thinking that actually what, what happened is what happened. Most people can't do that. Most people know what the lie is and they learn to live with it or they keep telling it or there comes a point where it can be released and then you're good. I get that. I get all that actually. It doesn't feel good when you do something wrong. It may feel good at the time, but time will pass. If you can keep doing things that feel good over and over and over again and never feel badly about doing the things that are good, those are the type of things you should be doing. It's always important to know when you're wrong, to know when you're lying, to admit when you've made a mistake, don't, when you work with someone or when you're dating someone, isn't it nice to just say, yeah, I'm wrong. I, I was wrong. But so many of us keep our position. We'll start arguing a position even though we know it's wrong because we'd rather argue an incorrect position than give in to somebody else even though their position is correct. Don't tell me, I mean, I'm talking to the studio audience here. Do you, by a show of hands, raise your hand if you've ever defended the indefensible position because you had no interest in allowing your partner in business or in love or in family to believe that their position was correct. Hands, yes, me. Umpires do that too, absolutely. Umpires will make a call. Many of them, the good ones will say, wow, I got that one wrong. The bad ones will say, yeah, that's how I saw it. Remember from League of Their Own? Today, that's a strike. Tomorrow, that could have been a ball. Yesterday, that could have been a ball. But today, it's a strike. 
mean, umpires can say anything. When the umpires got these new rules for pitch clock violations, there are people like Mike Hill, but many other people who work with the umpires, who had meetings with all the umpires, who made it very clear how the rules are going to be enforced. Everything was given to them, except they still had a modicum of power. And the modicum of power was, you have discretion, and umpires love this, it's called umpire discretion. You have discretion to reset the clock whenever you want before calling a pitch clock violation on a pitcher or a hitter. You've got the choice. Guess where Cody Bellinger was this week, just out of curiosity? He's a Cub now. He won an MVP for the Dodgers. He went back for the first time to play in LA. There's video live on Nothing Personal YouTube channel right now. And it's also on YouTube if you want to watch it after. He's thanking the fans. He's appreciative. There's an ovation happening, which there should be. And guess what the umpire does? Violation. He was not in the box ready to go with eight seconds left. Strike one while he's getting the ovation. Word got out pretty quickly. MLB is going to protect its umpire because that's what MLB does. It's what we always had to do, but I'm not in MLB. I'm not protecting the umpire. I'm happy not to give you his name. You have to use discretion. When there is something going on between fans and a player, a tipping of a cap, anything that involves, anything that involves a player getting a curtain call out of the dugout after a home run, anything that involves a celebration for an accomplishment, first hit in the big leagues, first strikeout in the big leagues, first home run in the big leagues, first cycle in the big leagues for a franchise. Do you know that umpires have a list of things that are possible in their game? Do you know that the umpires know that Cody Bellinger used to be on the Dodgers and that he was returning there for the first time? So it would have been flagged to them that there is a chance of an ovation before the first at-bat and possibly every at-bat. We've got a player who's batting fourth who's one hit away from 3,000. You think that just comes up to them? It happens and they look around. They're like, hey, look at the board, Johnny. Heck, I got 3,000 hits. No, that's not how it works. There is communication with umpires. They are aware of things going on. The umpire in this case did not do his job. Unfortunately, Cody Bellinger happens to be represented by Scott Boras. Guess what he did? He called Dan Hallam, the deputy commissioner. He certainly wouldn't have called Mike Hill, but he should have. Why do we not have provisions for this? And Hallam said, we do. This is according to Boras. It's umpire discretion. And normally the clubs notify the umpires beforehand if they have any kind of special things. Hmm, sort of sounds familiar. Why can't we just say the umpire missed it? Why can't somebody else, once the umpire makes the call, why can't the other umpires come in and say, wait, 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 he used to be a Dodger. It's an ovation. Unwind the strike, bring it back to a zero, zero count. There were 20 things that could have happened None of them start with Cody Bellinger having strike one on him. None of them. 
If baseball is going to make these rules and enjoy the benefits of the shorter games and all the accolades that come with it, get your umpires in line. If they're not willing to use their discretion, then they should not be willing to get the equipment that allows them to be a Major League Baseball umpire. Do not take away moments that fans want, that fans need, that players want, that players need, that we as an industry crave. The feel-good moment of giving an applause to a player that's no longer on your team who stinks but helped you win a World Series and got you an MVP, I want to thank him. the worst possible use of discretion I've seen. There will be a talking to amongst the umpires. You're not going to see that again. There's another rule this year that baseball has, and we talked about it on a previous show. We spent plenty of time talking about this. Jason Stark wrote a bunch of great articles in The Athletic about sticky stuff, the fact that they're going to come down on sticky stuff, that pitchers can be checked before an inning, after an inning, during an inning, anytime, more than the hands. They're going to check the gloves. They're going to stick the hands in the pants. They're going to go in the hat. They're going to go everywhere. Taking away from the cursory, ridiculous checking that used to go on at the end of last year, which was them looking at each other and then looking at the hands and then see you later. MLB wants to get rid of sticky stuff because sticky stuff is hurting the game. They're going to develop their own sticky stuff. I had a wait to see. I'm late on it. The wait to see is going to end up right that MLB will have its own sticky stuff still being developed and tested in the minor league level. There was a game this weekend between the Yankees and the Twins. One of my old players, Domingo Herman, was pitching against the Minnesota Twins. Herman was absolutely dealing. And all of a sudden, he was walking off the field. He got his hands checked, then his glove checked, and there was a little bit of talk little bit of problem, little bit of figuring out what's what and who's who, but it certainly seems as though Herman was caught with the sticky stuff. Goes in the dugout, washes his hands, the inning starts again, walks out of the dugout, gets checked again, another conversation, another delay game, another issue with Herman and sticky stuff. Rocco Baldelli comes out, the manager of the Twins, and says, what is happening here? There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear there's a man with some stuff over there, and my hitters, they have to beware. Why can't we stop him? That was totally made up. That's from a song. Coca has no idea. Stop. Don't be that upset. I guarantee you half the audience knows what that song was and will say it was clever. And the other half are being like, oh, there goes Samson again, making up lyrics. There was a song for what it's worth. Anyway, okay. Rocco Bedelli comes out and gets ejected, asking the umpire, how is he allowed to stay in the game when he obviously had sticky stuff, you sent him in to wash it off, and then he's got more sticky stuff. They checked him an extra time. Here's what baseball is telling you. They're telling you that all he had was rosin. And the umpire's saying, yeah, we want him to wash the rosin off. Why? You don't have to wash rosin off. You're totally allowed to have rosin on your hand. Now you mix rosin with a little sunscreen, you put a little KY jelly in there, and you got yourself a little thing. You put it on the pants, you put it inside the shirt, right around the neck, you fix your neck under the cap, in your hair, you can do all sorts of stuff. I get it, but rosin, straight up rosin? What pitchers do is they put stuff on their hand that is always very easy to get off their hand in case their hand is checked. But rosin as a substance is totally fine. 
So the reason that Herman was being looked at can't be just rosin because that would be, oh, you got rosin, see you later. Have a good time in between innings. Hey, we're checking you again. Hey, still rosin. They're saying an excess of rosin. There is no excess of rosin. You can have whatever rosin you want. I found the whole thing to be unfortunate. Rocco Baudelli will probably tell you, hey man, I just, I want to give my team a lift. That's what, that's what managers do when they get ejected. They want to give their team a lift and say, yeah, I wanted to give my team a, a little kick in the ass and get myself ejected. Come on. Everything that we're being told about this story is not accurate. That it was just Rosin that got ejected just because he wanted to get ejected. These umpires did something. By the way, the Twins hats and the Marlins old hats look pretty damn similar, don't they? I keep getting confused when I see the Twins playing, like I'm having a flashback that the Marlins are wearing our uniforms that we had from 2012 to 2017. I miss those uniforms a lot, actually. So anyway, rosin, ejections, checking, we're still in the infancy stage of what this is happening this season, how this is going to be. But what happened with the umpire in this case, throwing out Baldelli, what happened with the umpire, the way he checked Herman both times, and Herman through the interpreter explaining that it was rosin, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, the thing that still was missed is people watching the game on TV and people in the stadium didn't know what the hell was going on. How many times do I have to sit in an owner's meeting and beg for in-game entertainment to be allowed over the jumbotron to explain what's happening? Why penalize people who go to games? It makes me insane. And all I'm told by the commissioner's people, well, we, don't, we can't show up the umpires. We can't have the umpires feeling as though they're gonna get booed or gonna get stuff thrown at them because they made a wrong call. Okay, don't make a wrong call. The NBA has the referees walk over and talk about what they're looking at. The NFL has them talking about it. Now, MLB, they have a little microphone. It barely works to say what they're challenging. I wanna know everything that's going on in the game. When there's a discussion, they go tell all the different managers, tell the fans too. Tell the broadcasters too. It adds value to the broadcast. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had a two in one weekend. I thought the Bulls would beat the Heat. I didn't think the Heat would beat the Bulls or the Bucks in game one. We had the Bulls plus five and a half. I got nothing to say. The Heat rebounded from their crappy game and they played well. Butler carried them into the playoffs. And now he carried them to a game one victory. We're 0 and 1, thinking to myself, Crikes, another bad weekend. But then we had the great pick Saturday of the Kings over the Warriors. That's a good win. Don't be afraid to take the Kings. The Warriors on the road are not as good. Game one, Kings. Yesterday, did you watch that game? Anybody, Yankee fans, Twins fans? Pablo Lopez, one of the people who has traded the person for Luis Arias, who's leading the league in hitting, and Pablo Lopez is pitching phenomenally. It's a trade that works for both teams. Well, we had Cole and the Yankees over Lopez and the Twins. Guess what? Yankees win, Cole, complete game shutout. He's going for the Cy Young, baby. It's early, David. It's early. All right, we got playoff games tonight and baseball games. I got two picks. I want to explain one carefully. Number one, the Warriors plus one against the Kings. Let me tell you why I'm taking the Warriors now. I watched every minute of the Kings game. I'm going to watch every minute of the Warriors game, Kings game again, because it was so entertaining. I believe that Sabonis can have a better game. I'm not sure that Fox can. 
Do I think that the Warriors can have better games all around? I definitely do. That said, wait, the Warriors are now one and a half? Wait, time out. When did that happen? Okay, when I do this rundown, we're going to give people behind the scenes. I do the rundown the night before of my picks, and it was Warriors plus one. Now the line is Warriors minus one and a half, so I have to base it on the new line, Coca. All right, Warriors minus one and a half. Wow, I don't like it as much as I liked at plus one. What's the difference between plus one? It means that you can lose the game by one, and that's a push. You win the game by one, where I'm thinking the Warriors are going to win, or anything more than that, you win. Now I need the Warriors to win by two if I'm picking the Warriors to win. And winning by two is more difficult than winning by one. If you're down two and hit a three, you win by one. Damn it, Coca. Pick of the day is the Phillies and Wheeler over Lynn and the White Sox. Uh, the Phillies have struggled. They had a good game yesterday. Uh, the way it works when you've been in the World Series and you win the pennant and you start slowly is no one panics, no one's upset. Bryce Harper will come back and you just sort of let it happen. The danger of that and this is what happened to us in 04 and again in 05, is that you think that you're going to turn it on and you think any day could be that day. And once you turn it on, you're not going to lose. There's a player on Philadelphia, his name is JT Realmuto, and he is very aware of that mentality and he will not let the Phillies do it. Phillies minus 15 over the White Sox. My view is that the White Sox are bad. I told you they'd be bad. I was not high on them at all. I'm taking the Phillies minus 115, and Wheeler over Lance Lynn and the White Sox. I am not going to do a pick Coca on the Warriors-Kings game because I have to really think more about the fact that it's Warriors minus one and a half. It doesn't mean I'm taking the Kings automatically or the Warriors, so take that off my ledger. Phillies over the White Sox is my pick. All right, it is now about to be 845. In about an hour, you should be able to get Boston Marathon coverage wherever you are. It could be online right now. The race is underway. The baseball game is going to start shortly. I hope that at some point today, you take a minute to just watch a part of the Boston Marathon so that you can see what all the hoopla is about. You can feel the emotion of it, not just the Christmas of the crispness of the day, but the way Boston is strong, the way the first responders and the people of Boston are such heroes, the way that this event happens, and it's the greatest marathon in the world. And it's today. We have a lot of great sports on. Take one minute and watch that, even if you're not a runner. And we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of Nothing Personal because it's Tuesday and it'll be 8 a.m. Don't you worry. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.